Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 1 verses 14 through 18. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. From San... And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Acts 4, 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, 
who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 10, 44 through 48. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Acts 19, 1 through 6. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. This is the word of the Lord. Well, a verse I would like to start out with uh, is in Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. Um, this is a section of verses I had studied even prior to being baptized in the Holy Spirit and actually ended up getting a tattoo that was <laughs> a section of these verses even before I understood what it meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, but it, Ezekiel 36, starting in 24, says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you to your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will pour my spirit with I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Um, this is God's promise to us because he relentlessly pursues us. Um, um, 
until the day that we are able to say, yes, Lord, uh, I am yours. And for some of us, that takes a lifetime. And for some of us, it's much less. And even after he saves us, he's daily pursuing us because each of us knows in the depths of our hearts that apart from the grace that God places there, we are in constant rebellion to him and we don't really want him. (laughs) So we thank him for his grace. Um, Just a little bit of background, um, because Greg had asked me to share my story of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think there's, everybody has background, and mine certainly plays into uh, a lot of the process. Um, So uh, one thing to be said with the background is that, uh, oh, shucks. (laughs) One thing to be said with the background is the fact that, um, you know, even if we're unable to see God working in our lives, he still is. Um, and he uses different people all along the way, along the process, along that journey, even if we're unable to recognize it. Um, and so that was, I think that kind of, um, that definitely is true with me in the sense that God was placing people in my life um, for all of my life. I mean, growing up as a young child, um, I didn't, I wasn't prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until probably three years ago, I think. Um, But the Lord was relentlessly pursuing me up until that point. Um, So just a little background. I grew up in a um, moderately dysfunctional home, Um, put it that way. Uh, My parents, I love them, but um, their marriage stemmed out of the model that they had before them. Um, And so I can't say that it's their fault for how they raised my sister and I, um, to some degree, uh, I think that it is, but, um, there was an aspect of my parents' marriage that certainly, um, had an opportunity to taint my life, uh, and taint my, taint my future marriage, even though I wasn't aware of it. Um, the other part of the background is that I was raised in, uh, I guess your typical Baptist churches, in the sense that um, the Holy Spirit was not ever talked about. If he was, he was an aspect of the Trinity. Great, we all get him at salvation, and it ends there. Uh, there was no continuation going on and on from that, um, because the, the, the belief behind that was the fact that um, the Holy Spirit um, doesn't work in miracles, healings. He doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. Um, that stopped when the apostles died which doesn't make any sense to me now, but when I was, when I was being raised in those type of churches, it made total sense. Um, and the other aspect was um, the, and if you guys have been here for a while, um, we talk a lot about the kingdom perspective in the sense that uh, I grew up in churches that believe that the world is just getting darker and darker and darker and God is not here and somehow he fell off his throne and he's not aware of the world um, and his light is not continuing to go forth. Um, and so that kind of shaped my philosophy, my worldview of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had heard different things from different people um, in different churches that I'd gone to, or I went to uh, Bible College Word of Life for two years, which is uh, a great school. That's where I learned how to study the Bible. Uh, We actually had to have mandatory devotional time every morning before class. Um, And for me, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, you want me to sit here and study the Bible for like 45 minutes? 
what the heck am I going to do with myself? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then a couple months into being in that atmosphere, I began to realize like 45 minutes is not enough. Um, and that was like, that was, I think for me, a beginning or a realization that like, there's so much to study in God's word and he is infinite and we are finite and we will never stop understanding who he is. There is never an end to knowing who God is. Um, a couple other pieces of the background of my journey and my story is that uh, I had several different people kind of disciple me in the process as I was growing up, neighbors, uh, a pastor's wife. Um, and then when I got to college, uh, I went to Cedarville as well um, for four years. My aunt and uncle, who's my mom's sister, actually many of you guys have met them, Renee and Jim. Um, they've come here on Sundays a couple different times. Uh, they... Uh, began pouring into my life. Uh, they'd been praying for me for my entire life, which I had no idea about. Um, and so that was the beginning of a, a really good relationship to kind of push me forward. Um, so roughly about three years ago, I think three, year, three years ago this summer, um, I had already graduated from college. I was going to a different church. I was working night shift as a nurse. Uh, spiritually, I was like, eh kind of blah. Um, like I'd go to church and there would be times that I'd read the Bible and uh, I would have seasons that were like a week long um, <laughs> where I would like really get into the Bible and I would really read and it would be really exciting and I could maybe sort of sense God's presence a little bit, but it wasn't a ton. It's kind of like before and after I'd have to say it was like experiencing God in the, in the form of like a mud puddle versus a waterfall. Um, that's kind of one of the images that he's given me is mud puddle versus waterfall. Um, and so I began to realize that there was this restlessness in my heart. Like I wanted more and I, I figured there had to be more out there somewhere. Um, I had been part of um, like a what are they called, like young adult group in the other church I was going to, which was like people after they graduated from college and were working but weren't married and weren't dating and didn't really know what they wanted to do with life. Um, and so, so I was part of this group, and we would have Bible studies every week, but the, the level or the degree of the Bible study was like, let's read this passage. What do you think about it? What do you think about it? What do you think about it? And then we'll have, like, discussion. But there was actual no, like, study of the word, like, you know, getting into commentaries or studying different doctrines, theologies, things like that. And so I think that that was the beginning of my awareness of the fact that I needed more and that there was more. Um, and I'd been, you guys all know, John and Leah Gray. Um, Leah and I have been friends for, I don't know, like 10 or 11 years. We went to Word of Life together and then we went to Cedarville together. And, um, and so after uh, she had graduated from Cedarville, um, shortly after that, she had, before, after she met John, I don't know, sorry, John, <laughs> um, and they started coming here, and I began to see this change in Leah's life. Um, prior to me seeing that change, she had been coming here with John, she had been prayed for, um, experienced the baptism in the Spirit, and she had relentlessly, I mean relentlessly, some of you have, some of you know Leah, most of you know Leah, <laughs> And when she pursues after you about something, she goes for it 100%, which is awesome, and that's the way it should be. Um, 
But she, every time we would interact, she, she would be like, Beth, you should come hang out with us at church and do this kind of thing because we're going to go do this and we're going to go do that. And then she started to tell me about her experience with being prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, a greater filling of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, you're crazy and I don't know why you're going to this church because it was totally different than anything that we'd ever been like raised with or gone to school and talked about. And, uh, and so she would, she would just keep talking to me about it and she'd be like, you should read this and read this book. And I was like, sure, I'll read the books, which meant I put them in my car and didn't look at them for several weeks or months ever. (laughs) Um, but anyway, she was relentless in pursuing me and praying for me. And at the same time, God was also creating this or putting this spirit of restlessness in my heart to help me recognize, gosh, there has to be more. Like there has to be more, but I don't know where to find it. Um, And then most of you who have been coming here have experienced uh, the level of community within this church um, with food afterwards or just socialization or different activities. And honestly, that was one of the um, things that God used to pull me uh, this direction uh, closer to him, more into more of him, because uh, the group that I was a part of, the church I was going to, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction. We'd see each other on Sunday, you'd work all week long, wouldn't do much, great. Um, and as most of you know, it's much different here. Um, so three summers ago, uh, the Lord sovereignly ordained it that I'd have to have knee surgery because I tore a ligament in my knee, which was awesome by the way. <laughs> um, awesome in the sense that, which I didn't realize how he was going to use that, that summer. So I was off work for two months and I had nothing to do. I could sit at my house and uh, watch TV or movies, I guess, because that's what you do. Um, but I was also invited to join some of the people here at church who weren't working in the mornings to just read scripture. Um, read scripture, read foundational books, Uh, sometimes we would take time to pray, we would worship, and that would happen every morning, Monday through Friday, from about eight to noon. Um, And so I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. What the heck, I might as well. So I'd come here and I'd ice my knee on the pew as I lay there and study through Ezekiel and study through Jeremiah and study through Isaiah and all these amazing books in the Old Testament. I began to see how the Holy Spirit working then, even though I wasn't aware of it, was opening my mind, restoring my mind, causing me to see aspects and parts of scripture that I had studied before because I'd been in Bible college for six years, but studied uh, in a very, I think, shallow surface way, not realizing the depth of scripture that there is. There's something to be said about being under um, uh, people, men of God who have studied the word of God um, that believe different doctrines that are always in scripture versus men and people of God um, who haven't been exposed to those different doctors and theology and how much that changes and it's different. Um, and so that then I received an invitation from Greg to hang out with him uh, and go through the, the studies of the Holy Spirit. And I remember meeting with him and Catherine at Red Robin, and I told him the very first time that I met him, I was like, listen, I can only hang out with you for like an hour at a time, because after that, my brain just glazes over, because it's just too much. <laughs> um, and that's what I told him. And then as we kept meeting every day, it became one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, 
and he would do errands running around the town and running around Dayton, and I would just be in the car listening, and I'd be asking him questions, and I was just, there was so much that I realized in scripture that I had not known at all, and nobody had ever told me about, and I was actually really upset, because I was like, why didn't people tell me about this? It's in here. <laughs> why not tell me? Um, and so that was kind of, that was another part of the process, the journey in recognizing that the Holy Spirit was indeed pulling my, pulling me closer to him, opening my mind and causing me to see parts of scripture that had always been there, but I'd never been exposed to. Um, and so uh, I think we studied, I don't know, for a couple of weeks, four or five weeks maybe. Um, he went through all the sections in scripture that talk about the baptism of the Spirit, many of which we read this morning, or Catherine read this morning. Um, all the books that I was encouraged to read on the back shelf, I dug into them, I turned off the TV, I didn't watch TV, I didn't watch movies. All I wanted to do, I began to realize, is read. And like I hungered to read. Um, and like the great thing was that God gave me the time because of being laid up and not having to work. But for those of us who, you know, the situation may be different, you guys are in classes with school or working, you know, I understand that it's sometimes difficult to get into the word and read, and yet that should not stop us. Because if God wants us to pursue him, which is not an if, it is a command, then we should, um, we should pursue him, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Um, and so we need to, as a, as a people, recognize the priority of studying God versus anything else that may come up in life. Um, so that's what I began to realize, and he was showing me all this. So then uh, a couple weeks after we studied, um, I, um, I wasn't going to this church at this time, at that time. Um, but one Sunday afternoon, uh, Greg was like, okay, I think you're ready. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I was actually really terrified. Uh, I was really terrified because um, I didn't, in my mind, I didn't analytically understand everything that it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and part of my background is that I was very skeptical. I was like, if I can't see, then it must not be true. If I can't see it, then I, it must not be true. I wanted to have like God tangibly, tangibly put something in my hands. I wanted to be able to see the Holy Spirit in front of me. Um, and yet I began to realize that he was there. He was there with scripture. He was there with the people that I was interacting with, with the studies that I was going through, what I was seeing people do, or what I was seeing God do in other people's lives through John and Leah. And I was like, okay, there's got to be something true about this. Um, and so um, that Sunday afternoon, I was prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was really nervous. Uh, the other thing that I was nervous, one, you know, the reasons that I was nervous was because I didn't understand what might happen, and I was fearful. The other thing I thought was, well, what if nothing happens? Like, what if I don't get a prayer language? Everybody just, like, I sit there, and everybody stands around me and prays for me, and nothing happens, and, like, we go on this for, like, hours, and nothing happens. <laughs> Do they just, like, call it quits after so many, like, after so long? <laughs> Uh, and, and I, I remember expressing all those fears to Greg and he said, you know, here's the thing, like faith works in ways that our natural minds can't understand. And we have to be okay with that. We have to make the decision to still jump 
if God says jump, because we have to trust that he is king and he's sovereign, he's on his throne, and he's not going to give us, he's not going to give us bad things if we ask for good gifts. He doesn't work like that. Um, so I was like, okay, okay, let's go for it. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so we sang and we prayed and kind of Greg led me and some words to repeat back to him or repeat, not back to him, but repeat um, and asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, nothing really happened at first. You know, everybody else around me was, were, were worshiping. They were also speaking with their prayer language. Um, nothing happened. And I was just sitting there and I was thinking in my head, oh my gosh, nothing's happening. What am I supposed to do? And, I be, and at that moment, I began to realize, um, because of the Holy Spirit, uh, that I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was hold my hands open and let my mouth be open. Um, I think it was like a day before, uh, that Saturday before, uh, somebody here in the church, a friend, had um, encouraged me to listen to the song Oceans, which many of you guys know. Uh, and the chorus says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk, wa walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And that, that is truth, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. So those words came back to me, uh, and I sat there, and I, and I said, all right, Lord, like, you know, I don't care what I'm going to look like. If I say yes, I don't care what that means. If you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. Um, in the moment, if I start bawling like a baby and I'm, you know, the kind of crying when you're like, you can't see and your nose is running and you can't really breathe. Yeah, that's what ended up happening. But it was quite beautiful, actually. Um, and so uh, I had to decide in that moment whether or not I cared what people thought of me when I said yes, and if I cared enough, what would that hinder me from actually experiencing? Um, I chose the first one because I decided I didn't really care. Uh, and the freedom of being filled with the Holy Spirit was by far greater than caring what people thought of me. Um, and if I cried like a baby, uh, if I fell on the floor, uh, if I laughed hysterically, um, it wouldn't make a difference because the freedom that God was giving me was far greater than what anybody else would think about me. Um, and so that actually was, uh, that was um, the beginning of amazingness. Um, I cried a lot. I boogered a lot. Um, I uh, felt like dancing, and I'm pretty sure I did. I don't remember all of it, but... Um, the greatest part was um, just a lot of healing and freedom that came. Um, and some of you have experienced this because you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have not, I really encourage you to get into the word and to study the books, to meet with people here in the church, because it is going to be one of the best things in your life, second to salvation. Um, so as I was sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit just flood over me in a way that words, English words, any words just is very difficult to express. Um, I received, I began to feel a, a deep healing between the brokenness between God and myself in the sense that I was able to feel him being um, God my father 
a, a deep, intimate relationship with him where I had been before. I'd known God and I'd known of him, um, but I didn't ever really feel close to him. Um, it was kind of like a, a duty. I come to church, I go to Bible studies, I'm supposed to talk about God at my job, I'm supposed to talk about him with my family, with other people, but I always felt like I was striving really hard to do all these things. Um, and in that moment, there was freedom that I didn't have to do that anymore. Um, there, there was a freedom that God would fill me with his spirit, and all of those things would suddenly just happen. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't have to strive or struggle or try to do that. Um, there, for, at that point, that was the beginning point to the healing between myself and a lot of my family members with my parents. My parents were, they got divorced when I was a freshman in college. Uh, and there was a lot of hurt that went with that between my parents, arguing in front of my sister and I, and always trying to uh, degrade the other parent in front of my sister and I, and nitpicking little things. Um, and so even though I didn't recognize it at that moment when I was filled with the Spirit, um, that was the beginning of more. Um, I lost track of time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I didn't know what time it was. And it was great because you're swept up and you're caught up in God's presence. And time doesn't matter. You, I could have spent all afternoon doing that. I think the people with me in the room could have spent all afternoon doing that. Um, and so um, just a couple of things that, have, that I've recognized that the Lord has shown me that have happened as a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit um, you know, it talks about in scripture that Christ went into the wilderness and he was tested after his, uh, his time with the spirit being baptized in the spirit. And, and that was certainly true of myself. Um, you know, when, when we run towards God and we pursue him, our flesh wants us more to go the opposite direction. Um, and anytime I know that I have experienced the presence of God, uh, and being filled with the spirit again, Usually before that, there's great temptation to argue with my husband or to be frustrated. Um, and after that, there can be periods of really like a lot of discouragement. And so I went through this time of testing and temptation. Uh, and <laughs> some of my darkest times and deepest sorrows of sin happened right after I was baptized in the Spirit. And I don't say that to frighten anybody or scare anybody off, but that's the reality because when we pursue God, our flesh and Satan don't want us to. Um, they would rather us stay where we're at, stay indifferent, stay running and hating God when God's love is reaching out to us um, and saying, come, <laughs> I have a gift for you and I want you to come. All you have to do is run towards me. Um, and yet it's his grace that causes us to run towards him. Um, I alluded to this earlier. Forgiveness was one of the other big things that happened as a result um, of my experience with the Holy Spirit. Um, and it still is happening. It's a daily thing uh, for me to forgive, uh, to not hold grudges, to not be angry or bitter. Um, it happened uh, with my parents first. Um, I think Greg had mentioned this uh, in the 930 meeting. There's a sermon that John preached on forgiveness as a prerequisite to discipleship. As uh, soon as I heard that message, like even halfway through the message, I was like, oh, dang it. I got to forgive my parents. <laughs> and, 
Uh, and then I knew I had to do it that afternoon, and I really didn't want to, uh, but the Lord is gracious, and um, he caused those phone calls to happen, and so I called my mom and talked to her and forgave her for different hurts that had happened in the past as a kid growing up, specifically with my parents' divorce, um, and afterwards with my dad, I had to do the same thing. Um, with my sister, I had to do that as my, with my little sister. Um, and there just became this, you know, when we forgive, and for those of you who have read the Total uh, Forgiveness Experience, that book, if you haven't read it, I'd really encourage you to do so. Um, it is certainly a hindrance in pursuing the Lord and knowing God if we are not willing to forgive. Um, how do we expect to experience God's forgiveness if we are not willing to forgive our family members, our brothers and sisters, other people in the church. Um, it becomes a, a barrier and a wall there. Um, and so when I took the, made the decision to uh, forgive, there was, a, a, there was freedom. There was no longer a cage. There was no longer, you know, when we choose not to forgive, we put ourselves in a box. We put ourselves in a cage. And we say to God, you know, I don't think that you are God enough or you're good enough to handle this situation, and I'm supposed to handle it on my own. And God says, that's not true. Um, and it, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter the timing or how long it takes, but it's something that we're called to do is to forgive. Uh, there's two other things. Grace, still trying to figure that one out. Still trying to understand that one. Uh, my husband does a great job of showing me grace, um, which is wonderful. Um, but it's not something that you can obtain. I came from a background um, from several different churches where grace was performance-based. You do good things, you act a certain way, and therefore you receive God's grace. Uh, if you don't do good things and you don't act a certain way, then God doesn't love you uh, and he doesn't show you grace. Um, and so that's something that he's still uh, weeding out of me because they're very, very deep roots uh, where I struggle often to show grace to others, um, and I struggle to receive God's grace. Uh, when I sin, big or small, I often think that I have to sit outside the doors of God's throne room, even though the doors are wide open, and he's in there, and he's saying, come to me, child, my beloved daughter. I think I have to sit outside his throne room and punish myself for, like, I don't know, two, three days. Depends on how big the sin is. That extends the number of days I have to punish myself. <laughs> um, and that's something that the Lord is, is showing me graciously is not true. The moment I sin, that's even before I sin because he knew I was going to sin. His grace is there and his forgiveness is there. Um, and his arms are wide open. And then uh, the last part, I think, is passion and prayer. Uh, and, and the fact that the Lord's given me uh, and my husband, different burdens for different ministries with Cedarville. Um, he's given that to a couple other people within the church. Um, it's my passion to know the word of God, to study the word of God, to hunger for the word of God. Uh, prayer, um, being involved in prayer and understanding that prayer is very, very powerful. Um, it's, it's not just a conversation with God. Um, it is but it's much more than that. And we ought to pray with expectation that he's going to do amazing things. Um, and so one of the analogies that he gave me, and I will leave you guys with this because I think Greg wants to preach at some point, um, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, 
gave, the Lord gave me this, I don't know, several months ago, but it's like a goldfish that jumps out of the fishbowl. Uh, you know, goldfish jumps out of the fishbowl, he lands on the table, and he's laying there, and it's not like he can put himself back in the bowl, but he's laying there, guppy breathing, um, and, and that's kind of, uh, that relates to us as Christians in the sense, as human beings in the sense that we, you know, prior to, for me, prior to receiving, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I was the goldfish that had jumped out of the bowl and landed on the table. And I was guppy breathing for air, like struggling because fish are meant to live in water. Um, and if you just didn't know that, um, and, uh, um, when we, when we try and live our lives without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, we are that goldfish laying on the table guppy breathing. And for many of us, we get accustomed to that. And we get used to it. And we get comfortable. And yet, God says, let me scoop you up in my hand. Let me put you back in the tank full of water that represents the Holy Spirit. Let me fill your life. Let me give you life. Because for so long, you've been struggling to breathe without life. Um, so my question and challenge to you guys is, which is better, to be the goldfish guppy breathing on the table or to be living in a tank of the Holy Spirit filled with abundant life? If you were here for the first message, this is a two-part series that we started at 9.30. You'll get more out of it if you heard the 9.30 message, of course. But I, we, I tried to do it in such a way that those who, there's still about eight or ten people who don't come at 9.30. And so I uh, tried to make it so that uh, those who don't could still get plenty out of it. So, um, my title here is Receive Pentecost, Everyone. And what I'm trying to say is this. There are people in our church who have not yet been baptized in the Spirit. And they're, they fall into two categories. People who just really haven't even studied it yet or done the Bible studies uh, is one category. And the second category might have two subcategories, like people we haven't got around to praying with yet, or there, and we've had a few cases where uh, we prayed with someone due to various reasons. Usually there's, we didn't really able to do what we talked about at the 930 meeting, which is analyze the five hindrances and break them through. But really, I've rare, very, very rarely, in 42 years, I've prayed for about 1,000 people to get baptized in the Spirit, and I've just had... Uh, less than five or so that didn't get the breakthrough. And and usually that's come in uh, some group situations that I should have probably just not prayed for the people at the same time or some people who didn't really get enough preparation. And a lot of times it's people who've come out of uh, cessationist churches and in and, uh, and, uh, low expectations of, of the Holy Spirit and stuff. And that can, that can actually leave like a spiritual debris that has to be broken through. Recently, I've been working with a young man who uh, went out of, you know, grew up in such a cessationist background that the, even the idea that you're supposed to experience the presence of God every day, he never had that idea. And his w way of relating to God was all conceptual and abstract and so forth. But, you know, he, he, uh, I was helping him uh, with some financial things and one, and so forth, and, and uh, a couple of the brothers were helping him make a step in and uh, he uh, was looking for a car, and he said, yeah, I prayed for four or five hours about whether to buy that car. And I said, four or five hours? I doubt I could pray for four or five minutes on something like that. Like, ask God, hear the Spirit, do, don't, <laughs> make a list of the pros, cons, and 
is the sense of life of God in it or not? Let's go. You know, um, so, you know, um, that's, there's a couple, you know, there's some people in our church that have not been baptized in spirit. Uh, some of them just have not even gone through the teachings on it yet or really sought that out. We don't put these things on you. We wait for you to come to, to us and say, I want to grow. We have people who do Bible studies with you, who help you grow and so forth. But um, if you just want to come on Sundays and, and kind of stay where you're at in the things of the Lord, we're okay with that. Uh, if you want to grow, we have people who know how to help you get there. And we can, as much, whatever pace uh, God has made you ready to go, we'll take you that, you know, Beth and I had probably in uh, three or four or five weeks' time, we probably had 50 hours worth of meetings, you know, and uh, covered you know, around 1,500 Bible verses, at, including uh, maybe a couple hundred Greek words. And it was very fun. And we went to Freshest at the same time. But uh, <laughs> had salad. So um, the other thing that, that I want to address today, though, is many of us that are baptized in the Spirit, we need a Pentecost. Okay? So just because you get baptized in the Spirit does not mean, you know, what I want, what I hopefully you want to get through here is when you get baptized in the Spirit and you receive a prayer language, it really opens up a key and empowers you in terms of having a prayer language and just having kind of a more open door to get in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. But you need to get filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. Because we leak. You know, and it, if you run the water fast enough, you really can fill up the colander. <laughs> it's full of holes, you know, but it takes a little. So that's kind of like our human situation. So uh, let's get into this just a minute. Number one thing I want to say is get it finished. Focus on this. Seek, concentrate, remove distractions, build faith. Like violent men enter the kingdom of God by force. Jesus made it clear in Luke 24, 49, wait until you're clothed with power from on high. You're not actually supposed to go out and start ministering. You're not supposed to do anything until you get baptized in the Spirit after you've come to Christ. Get baptized in the Spirit with all urgency. And get a prayer language and, and learn why it's important to use it all the time. Now, because I always say we're not going to get back to biblical Christianity, you can't take a journey of a 1,000 miles in two hops, skip, and a jump. But, but uh, a journey of a 1,000 miles, Lao, or what was that guy's name? Lao's, Lao's saying, how do I remember? Yeah, Lao Tzu said, uh, a journey of a thousand miles, thank you, starts with one step. At least get moving in the right direction. Do the studies. Uh, get, you know, because you're not supposed to do anything. If you're born again, if you're really a Christian, uh, first of all, if you're not sure you're born again, you're really a Christian, do those studies. <laughs> Make sure you've had a life-changing encounter with God where you can honestly say, I used to be like this, and I'm not like that anymore. And not just about shallow things like I used to be a drug addict or whatever, but 
you know, about selfish ambition and passivity. And I'm like, if you're not on fire for God, something is really wrong. There isn't any examples in the New Testament of Christians that aren't on fire for God. You're damaged. Something's wrong. Do something about it. Cry out for help. We have people who will help you. They're called the leadership team. We're going to make sure we talk a little bit about that tonight. Don't go leave Jerusalem. Luke 11. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? It's based on relationship. If you're a born-again Christian, you'll never be qualified based on your good works, good studies, good looks, big tie check. <laughs> we don't have anybody like that. But uh, nothing until... Uh, <laughs> You know, you're, you're qualified by what Jesus Christ has done for you. So get founded in grace and understand that he wants to give you everything pertaining to the kingdom of God. One of the signs of being born again is that you want everything God has. And you, the, the, you remember the Ethiopian court official said to Philip, Look, there's water. Why can't I get baptized? He didn't like say, Do I have to? And nobody tells me who to hang around with or what to do. Or... All right, so Acts 1, 3, 4, and 8, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. Now that phrase, the promise of the Father, I did a bunch of teachings on that recently. They're on the podcast. But that's a major theme of the whole Bible, and that, that the promise of the Father is, is, is fulfilled ultimately in reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ and becoming a new creation, a new heart with new desires and new motives, and in the promise of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us all those promises of God from Genesis 3.15 forward to Joel 2.28, which when, she, when Catherine read from Acts 2, he was quoting Joel 2.28, it'll come about in the last days that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, all mankind, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Okay? If, you, if you're not prophesying, you're, you're, you're basically sitting around a Christmas table or a Christmas tree and saying, wow, there's really nice gifts under there. Man, three years later, those are, are those gifts. I mean, isn't that a pretty good wrapping job? Some of that wrapping paper is downright pretty. In fact... You know, it's getting a little dusty, but you know, but it's pretty. You know, it's just amazing. It's free, but you got to unwrap it. Uh, moving on. Unbelief. We talked to, this morning. We did a message called Five Hindrances, Overcoming, or Diagnosing and, and, and Overcoming Five Hindrances to Being Baptized in the Spirit. One of them is unbelief, as Beth talked about her skepticism. Unbelief is a culture in Western culture that started with the Enlightenment. We live in layers and layers and layers of natural-mindedness. But again, if you look at it carefully in the Gospels, there was only one thing Jesus got angry with the disciples about, and I got angry with the religious people uh, quite a bit. But what did he rebuke the disciples for? For their unbelief. Like when the winds and the waves were 30 feet high and so forth, and they were actually scared. He's like, like, what, me worry? You know, like, you had me in the boat. Haven't you learned anything yet from the 5,000 
people that I fed and everything. Like, are you kidding? You were worried? You're with Jesus. Like, why, why, why are you worried? Right? They couldn't cast the demon out of the, the man's son who threw him into the fire and stuff like that. Even though he had sent them out earlier, this is seven chapters after they went out and healed hundreds and cast demons out of thousands of people. But they were like, this one's too big for us. And by the way, Jesus, people say, well, maybe Jesus was up on the mountain, so maybe it was because Jesus wasn't right there. They had gone out through all the cities preaching while Jesus was right there. They just got into this, this guy's demon throws him into the fire, and he's a big bad demon. Really? So, Mark 9, 24, I love this. The father, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. That's my, that's my favorite daily prayer. I have a bunch of daily prayers like, God, I want to know you. God, help me know your ways. God, help me know your law. God, help me know your plans and the purposes and where we are in history and what you're doing right now. I pray that every day. And one thing I pray is, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And I put other Christian words in there like, Lord, I am zealous, but help my lack of zeal. <laughs> Lord, I want to study your word, but give me a hunger to study your word. I'd like to be a good pastor, but help me become a good pastor. That's the best Christian prayer you could ever pray. Because no matter how far God's taken you, the only advantage of looking back is it can help you kind of remember the covenant faithfulness of God. But you got to constantly look at him and realize, whoa. Let's jump this thing into hyperspace because there's I can go unlimited in knowing the Lord, his word, and encountering his spirit and his power. Romans 10, faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is something that you can cry out to God for to grow. And sometimes, you know, I, the, I don't think he'd mind the one brother I was talking about was Josiah. And one of the things we're going to pray for Josiah again, I don't know if we're going to, probably not today, probably next week, but, uh, you know, Josiah has gone on a journey that we've walked together with. We talk every week or two and so forth, but he used to, he grew up in a way where he never expected to, to experience the presence of God. And he now can look back and even realize, wow, I did sometimes. I just didn't know what that meant. And now he's starting to experience the presence of God and worship all the time one reason we don't let Josiah run the sound system during the worship because he needs to have and really I've told him can't do it during the worship because I need you know you need to have a worship encounter experiences and by the way for most people just what we do on Sunday mornings is probably not going to be enough that's why we have a Monday night prayer meeting that Edwin and Beth are gracious to lead and Tiana and Sam Chen Poon are here and there's a good anointing and there's Friday night fellowship and has a good anointing and besides you know, you can call anybody in the church anytime and say, let's worship for a while. Uh, there's no, like, uh, it's not, it's kind of like an unlimited buffet. <laughs> Just get a new plate every time. <laughs> so, John seven seventeen is a huge one. If anyone's willing to do his will, he'll know the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak for myself. Many people have various reasons why they don't want to be baptized in the Spirit, and they're not willing to even look at it and study it. Sometimes it's trust issues. Because every the 
Spiritual truths, when they knock on your spirit, even though your mind is not cognitive of what, what they are, your spirit knows what they are. And so every, every Christian knows, if I go further with the Holy Spirit, if I get baptized in the Spirit, or if I stay filled with the Holy Spirit more regularly, someone else is going to start running this ship. And I really like the, the way I, I got saved at a church where I invited Jesus to come in, sit in the back seat, and keep his opinions to himself. Except that you, he can talk one, a little bit on Sunday mornings. And if, and if, thing, if everything's falling apart, then I'll turn back to Jesus and say, help me. I want, help me, Mr. Wizard. I don't want to be a whatever anymore. You know, uh, you, know uh, you got to receive Jesus in such a way that you get in the back seat and he's driving and keep your opinions to a minimum. Really. So if you're willing, that's really, uh, it really gets down to when people hear the gospel when people hear about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it really gets down to if you're willing. It always gets down to if you're willing. And guess what? So you can start with, I am willing, but help my unwillingness. Draw near to the throne of grace. That's the biggest secret I ever learned is that we want to hide from God even in our minds and emotions and go, well, you know, like, I really want to do your will, God. Lord, I couldn't even want to want to want to do your will. Change me, save me, rescue me. If you can take that posture, God will do it for you. He'll open your eyes. He'll change your desires. Don't let some sin easily beset you or whatever. John, Matthew 11, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. This whole thing about distractions, you know, sit down and make a list and then share it with somebody qualified. What, what's holding me back from God or, and especially from getting baptized in the spirit? You're, you know, let me just tell you, if you live in your own private thoughts and never uh, get some advice or counsel or whatever, you're, you're, you're going to be stuck there for the for as long as you're living there. God has sovereignly ordained discipleship. Someone who's been there has to walk you through. I am who I am because of the people, starting with my mother and other people who invested, including this man, invested in me 30 years ago. 40, actually in some cases, over 40 years ago now. You know, the first time I heard my mother speak in tongues, I was like, what is up? <laughs> like I started laughing and stuff. I was like, my, I think my parents have finally flipped out. They become Jesus freaks and they're talking in tongues and casting out demons and reading Christian books. What in the, what is wrong with these people? I didn't know the problem was in my set. All right. Don't wait till you become more qualified. You can grow relational in faith but you're not going to go grow in worthiness. There's a difference. God's not waiting till you get more serious because you're never going to be that serious. He's serious, and he can help you become more serious as long as you say, I am serious, but I'm not very serious. Help my unbelief. Help my unseriousness. 
and realize it's okay. He knew all that when he saved you. Like we have this thing where, not besides the groveling thing that she was talking about, we also have this thing where we think God was surprised. <laughs> Gee, God was surprised that that was in my heart. All right. Maybe we're surprised. Um, if you need to break out, get a hold of today's 930 teaching. Uh, ask Josiah or some of the sound guys for a CD. If you don't have the ability to listen on podcast, ask Stephen for an outline. He can email it to you or you can have, ex- there's extra copies. Listen to it a couple times. Read through the scriptures on it. And then get with someone who can get you through it. As you're going to hear about tonight, one of the reasons I'm, we're changing who's pastoring who and who's doing what in a church so I can focus more on getting people who are stuck through the first five steps, and especially the first three steps. Does that make sense? Now, second point is for people who are baptized in the Spirit. If you remember, Beth said, you know, she got more serious about sin. And no, no, I'm just, as soon as you, got, you get more serious about God, it, listen to this. The, you know, Matthew 4, 1, Luke 4, 1, it doesn't say, and the devil led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And guess what? He doesn't just lead you into the wilderness. He's going to lead you through the wilderness. Faithful as he who called you, he will also bring it to pass. Now, you're not Jesus, so you probably won't get in through in 40 days with no sins. You'll probably have more of a testimony like Beth or myself. I did some of my most amazing sins after God, de- God got delivered me from drugs and, and so forth because I didn't realize that, I, that, that this new self-confidence and boldness that God gave me shouldn't be used to uh, pick up chicks. <laughs> Just, t- just telling you. <laughs> you know, I, I had just gotten delivered from demons. I was off drugs. I was reading the word every day for like 10 hours. I was so excited about God. And I went to a Christian youth retreat. And I figured out that there, there was Christians from several cities there. And uh, around the, you know, towns around. And by the time the weekend was over, I had more than one girlfriend. And they lived in different towns and didn't know about each other. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I had confidence, but I wasn't sanctified yet. And then even I was like, I don't think I can date two girls at the same time as a Christian, can I? And uh, it got worse from there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but the Lord didn't leave me there. Now I have one wifey uh, of uh, how many years? 34 years coming up in a few weeks. And, uh, and I'm so excited to have one wifey. I just don't get enough time with her. So now, yet next thing I want to talk about is ask, seek, knock. Those Greek words actually mean ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking. And it doesn't say, and if you knock with the right formula... And if you knock persistent enough, and if you knock after you have your shower and you don't have B.O., or if you knock after you give up that sin, then I'll open for you. I got baptized in the Spirit when I was still dealing drugs, and the chief of police's house was where I was dealing drugs out of. 
but I would have never gotten out of that life without the power of the Holy Spirit. I can never imagine walking with God without the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I was six months in Christ before I realized there were real Christians who don't speak in tongues and cast out demons and, and heal people. I didn't know that didn't ex- existed because I thought there was just religion. And then there was what I had encountered, you know, partially with the help of my parents and a group of brothers in Bowling Green and different things. So on, I, was on, I was actually on campus, and one of the campus ministries that doesn't believe the Holy Spirit is for today knocked on my door and asked, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I just became a Christian. I've been a Christian for like four or five months now. And he said, they were trained not to just take that at face value. So he said, how did you become a Christian? So I told him the whole story. I didn't know that he, I told him about going to hell and my spirit leaving my body and arguing with demons and and receiving Christ and getting baptized in the spirit and getting demons cast out of me four or five times and and uh, reading the whole New Testament 10 times through my first four months, reading the book of Acts 40 days in a row, like reading the whole book 40 times and in a few months. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I told him about like how I was helping my mom cast demons out of people who had done like satanic masses and stuff like that. And, and I said, I know I'm just getting started, but isn't Jesus wonderful? And I, <laughs> then, then I didn't really notice till about then, but I looked up, the guy was like white as a sheet. <laughs> and uh, he said, okay. And uh, I, he was the leader of a particular group. I won't name the name of the group, national, big international group. And he saw me on campus for the next four years, and every, he'd say, oh, hi, Greg. <laughs> and he would just make sure that we weren't going to run into each other close enough to stop and talk. <laughs> so I really, I didn't mean to be mean. I didn't know any better. I, I plead ignorance. Um, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you through the wilderness of temptation. I actually always love in the Old Testament that it calls it the wilderness of sin, even though that's actually just the name of the place. But it seems like a good description of the place, doesn't it? (laughs) Now, let me just tell you something about the wilderness of sin. I'm going to go over, but I think God is really using this. So, you know what? Time clocks and calendars are for, you know, the next life. No. Uh, Um, I, I need you to understand two things. Sins and temporary failures do not abort his process. All of you have heard my testimony about two years later when I studied all summer about forgiveness and so forth, and I ended up living with a roommate that was really hard to get along with, even harder than me, if that's mathematically possible. Uh, probably not. <laughs> and I was so bitter at him and then all these sins that God had overcome, lustful sins and, and stuff that young men struggle with, came back to my life even though they'd been gone for a year and a half. And I wasn't even thinking about them or having temptations. Because when you fall into bitterness and unforgiveness, you'd start, you cut yourself off from grace and start, you know, in man. And like God wasn't surprised. The reason he kept leading me to scriptures about that and several books about that because he knew he was setting me up. That's something that some of you just don't get that we really need to cover. I don't care what time it is. Whenever the Bible says the word of God is tested, 
as silver refined seven times. Whenever God shows you something, read, read the book, They Speak With Other Tongues by John Sherrill. Every time God showed him something, it got tested, and then he kind of backed off of his faith, but God in his graciousness brought him through, and eventually he got got it, so to speak. Not only got baptized in the Spirit, but just got a much bigger view of walk with God. She exchanged some emails with his wife just last summer. They're like in their upper 80s now, and, and I wanted before they died, I've, I've been doing a thing where I'm trying to contact a lot of guys that are 85 to 95 that helped me a lot when I was a young Christian and just write them an encouraging note about thank you for helping me get started. And I assure you, we're still using some of your books and materials to help others get started. So, um, sins and temporary failures don't abort the process. They show you what's in your heart. God doesn't test you. It says so, to, so that he will know what's in your heart. He already knew. So you'll know what's in your heart, really. <laughs> and then he can... when. You get to the point where, like I, I did, I was like, God, I can't quit drugs. I can't even want to quit drugs, whatever. Then he, the, he finally, I sensed God even saying, like, finally. I've been trying to get you there so you'll stop relying on yourself and stop relying on how tough you are and how, and how committed you are and how, your own strength and how cool. And, you know, I always tell every young man who's got a lot of that, Oh, especially after they get baptized in the spirit, God is going to break you down, <laughs> brother. <laughs> you got to get broken down before you really do. You have to go through the, you know, the school of failure. You got to walk with a limp. With men, it's impossible, but it's not possible with God. And when you're no longer relying on your own understanding and your own commitment, and your own zeal. See, that's why Peter denied Jesus three times, because he was relying on, you know, what happens is the things God does in your spirit spill over into your mind. That's why speaking in tongues is so important. It kind of fills your spirit with the mysteries of God, and as you study the Word and have experiences with God, it helps your mind get them in your emotions, and your affections and your emotions do grow more in love with God. But your love for God will be never enough. And Peter was thinking, Jesus, I really love you. I love you more than these guys do. <laughs> That's what he was thinking. He was still competitive. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, so Jesus, I'll never fail you. And Jesus was like, oh, man, I wish I didn't have to be doing this, but I prayed for you that your face not going to fail. But, boy, your behavior is going to fail. <laughs> See you on the other side, brother. Uh, <laughs> when you and when you've turned again, go ahead and strengthen your brethren. Instead of instead of judging them and think, and competing with how much more God, holy you are than they are, you'll minister from when you minister from humility and brokenness. Then you're ministering. All right. Uh, I don't know how much I want to get keep going forward. First uh, Timothy 5, 15, look, 17, read those verses for yourself. God demonstrates his perfect patience. He, he doesn't abort the process, and you, can, you don't have to be qualified to get baptized in the Spirit. You're never going to convince God you're serious enough. Nothing. You just, if you have a problem, it's more with how to 
receive things by faith. Because you've been a control freak or you're in some fall of unbelief or you've been too natural-minded, performance-based, but God's not... God, you just lay it before the God and, and say, break through. Almost talk like I'm there. The God. Lay it before the God. <laughs> lay, lay it before God. All right. Uh, for those who've been baptized in the Spirit, I, that wilderness thing, I hope that's helpful to you. I, I, I want to say Acts 4.31. The reason I had Catherine read that portion is when it says they were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with boldness. I need you to understand, those are all those people were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And earlier in the chapter, I have the scriptures down just lower under B, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, proclaims all this stuff to the people who are telling him they're going to kill him if he keeps doing it. He said, that's your problem. Here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus is Lord and so forth. Got it? So you get filled with the Holy Spirit God takes you to the point of your weakness so that you'll cry out to him and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason speaking in tongues is such a blessing is because it's one of many spiritual Christian disciplines to get filled with the Holy Spirit. But God, you know, who is this coming out of the wilderness, Song of Solomon, leaning on her beloved? She's no longer leaning on her own understanding or her own strength. So in Acts 4, when it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the room shook and, and so forth, those were all the people who spoke in tongues and got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 1 through 4 or Acts 2, 37 through 47. The, there was two waves of people who got baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. And almost every uh, one that was in that room in Acts 4 had been there in Acts 2. So if you think there's one filling of the Holy Spirit that's just crazy. Secondly, if you think, I mean, there is one initial filling of the Holy Spirit where you get a prayer language and get the ability to speak in tongues. And that, along with Christian disciplines and worship and humility and crying out to God, is how you get filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. And the, you can't do this Christian life without it. God made it so the Christian life isn't difficult. It's totally impossible. So, Acts 13, 52, they were continually filled with joy and, and with the Holy Spirit. They got, and that word in the Greek means, and they continually kept being filled and getting filled and, and so forth. They, you can't do, English can't do what Greek can do with verbs. Uh, now, concern, uh, the next thing I, I want to exhort us, and I'm just going to leave there. You know, a lot of the leadership team have heard this. Maybe I'll share some of this on a Friday night again. But I wish I didn't, like, have to do this. The the purpose of Friday night fellowships and Monday and other home groups that we have, we don't seek God for prophecies and so forth on Sunday morning because we want God has given us a certain celebration format and so forth. But we do that on Monday nights and we do that on Friday nights. And you need to step into spiritual gifts. And if you look at the verses I've listed there under Romans or under Roman numeral five on the back. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, five times in different ways, Paul tells them to pursue earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Okay? Now, what's, um, thank you, David. What's uh, important to understand is 
There's three positions on the Holy Spirit in our culture today. There's the Holy Spirit died with the apostles, cessationist point of view, which was the same point of view as the Pharisees had, and it grows both out of kind of an antinomian, Gnostic, dispensational evangelicalism. Then there's the uh, sort of mega church, what I would call the, some people have called the third wave, which is, uh, well, we think God still does these things, but he's just not doing them among us. And if he did, he would. But, but keep your eyes on Jesus, brother. It's not right to focus too much on the Holy Spirit. But the problem is that may make your church big and sell lots of books. I just read the worst book on the Holy Spirit I've ever read uh, this past week. And it, I don't want to say the name of the book or the guy, but it's the most popular, best-selling book on the Holy Spirit right now out there. And in it, he actually, in his chapter on the theology of the Holy Spirit, he espouses a thing called modalism, which is an ancient Christian cult. He doesn't even believe in the Trinity. Yet he's probably in the top 20 most uh, received and respected and, and followed evangelical pastors in the country today. There's another one, ironically, who does the same. Church of 10, 15,000, he's on Trinity Broadcasting Network of all things, and he doesn't believe in the Trinity. And this was the guy writing a book on how we need to get more of the Holy Spirit. And the whole point of the book, he said, at the beginning, he says, we can't, we can't avoid certain scriptures and we must exegete scripture and so forth. Then the rest of the book, he just avoids all the scriptures about it. I I couldn't believe it. I wish I had Deanne on staff because we would work on writing him a letter. Might be be 100 pages, but hopefully it would help. Because, I mean, the guy doesn't even believe in the Trinity, for for Trinity's sake. Um, So, if you put all these things together... Like in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, 26, and 31, when he says, be zealous of spiritual gifts, abound, seek to abound for the edification of the church. It's a mistake that Christians make to be into either or thinking. All young Christians do that. So I don't think I should like focus on getting baptized in the Spirit or speaking in tongues because I should, Paul's saying it's greater to love. Right? He's None of that, none of the language is about either or, it's about both and. And you have, you know, like that's why Jesus says you can't uh, love others, it, love others as you love yourself. They're, he's not talking about the narcissistic take, you know, what do you call them, selfies. And uh, if I ever get into a selfie, someone shoot me. Uh, you know, and like tell people what you had for breakfast and how nice your cat's doing and your dog and Holy cow. Uh, he's not talking about becoming narcissist or become shallow or, or self-promoting. But there is a proper kind of self-loving stewardship that comes out of God's love for you that is needed in order to help anybody. You can only give people what you got. You know, like my boss used to say, the problem about ha- having no money is that you always have to think about money. And the problem with being in debt is the Bible says, no, owe no man anything except to love one another, and you can't love people when you're in debt. Well, I'd like to help you, brother, but I got this credit card bills to pay for. 
So I'm going to just stop there, but I, I, I kind of want to exhort, especially the people who are baptized in the Spirit, I don't know what to do about this. You know, we've talked about reading that one magazine on prophecy. See Stephen, John Gray, some of the best. Some of these people can help you that are on uh, But you've really got to be moving forward in spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit should produce spiritual fruit. And you must be moving forward in love, joy, peace, Patience. Lord, I want patience and I really want it now. Uh, kindness. I'm kind, don't you know it? <laughs> Gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You know, it, you know that it's interesting when Paul was before King Agrippa, he said, it's, he said, it says he was talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, and the mystery of self-control. And, and uh, King Agrippa was like, Paul, your great learning is driving you mad. <laughs> if you keep talking like this, you will try to persuade me to be a Christian. And he said, I would that you were all just like me. So I'll end with that. I, I hope you're all like nutty for Jesus, except for these holes in the carpet. <laughs> Paul had the, his chains, you know. But, um, you know, so today is Pentecost. And I'm, I'm giving you a takeaway. Take these notes, especially get the 930 stuff. Put them together. Don't do nothing about this. Don't get distracted. Don't grow in 27 other ways. If you're not baptized in the Spirit, get focused on getting baptized in the Spirit. Now, if that leads you to have to reexamine whether you're truly converted, we can help you there. If you're baptized in the Spirit... Are you making progress in walking according to supernatural means and gifts and fruit? Because remember uh, that Paul said to the Corinthians, I couldn't speak to you like mature men. I had to give you milk because there were divisions among you and so forth. And then, he, and, one, and then he goes, were you not walking like mere men? If you can step back from your life and say, most 95% of the things in my life could be done by a natural human being. There's a problem with that. It's a big problem. And that's what they say about the biggest problem about the mega churches is all the programs can go on with or without God. I don't want to be in a place where I'm not daily dependent on powerful miracles happening in our midst. Amen.